rising up back on the street. Did my time, took my chances. Get out of here. Yeah. Welcome to Dragon's Cast, the podcast brought to you by Dakback Columns. With me today, I have Marshall Fleming. We're talking about squash today, right? <laughs> Nick Intrieri. Champions, baby. 2021. Bill Martin. 19 years it took. <laughs> and we have Preston Carter with us as well. What's up, Preston? What's up? I'm glad to be here. The champion. <laughs> and I am your host, Leon McCutton. I think uh, we have... Uh, not on the podcast in a while, but something has happened uh, that's uh, brought us all back together to do this. So uh, I don't know. Marshall, I think you should take it away first, considering you were the only one to see it in uh, in person. Uh, walk us through what that feeling was when it looked obvious that we were actually going to win, which I'm assuming didn't happen until the final second. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's kind of weird. The... The most kind of anticlimactic win is when a team is just marching to the free throw line. And I was thinking while it was happening, like, it's obvious that we're going to win, but it's either going to take 20 seconds if they just let this, like, final couple seconds run out, or they're going to foul us two or three times, and it's going to take, like, three minutes. But with the arena empty like it was because of COVID and obviously no fans... It just, like, it was weirdly surreal. Like, I was there with my buddy Blaze, who drove down, uh, and we were obviously celebrating and hyped, but that silence between uh, between the gameplay and, uh, like, when they were walking down the court, like, normally if that was, like, a packed crowd and we were all there, we would just be, like, hype and off of each other's energy and that so it was really just kind of a surreal moment that could only happen in the circumstances of the past year besides uh you and blaze sounds like a cool guy blaze um was there any other how many other fans were there um i would say they're on the drexel side it was hard to tell because we were sitting in the back of uh the section that we were in uh, pretty much right next to the camera that you all were seeing the game from. Um, I would say the first number that comes to mind is maybe 50. And then Elon being a bit closer looks, looked like they had a little bit more and they had, uh, it seemed like some students that showed up uh, and were making some noise throughout. But overall, I would say less than 150 fans overall. Wow. That's crazy. Did you end up driving back last night, or did you drive back this morning? I drove, uh, well, I guess both. I started last night, and I got back early this morning, like 2 a.m. Ah, damn. How was Harrisonburg? Um, I assume you got to see a lot of it, seeing as uh, you got back by 2 (laughs) a.m. Yeah, you know, Harrisonburg (laughs) is as good as it was in 2009 when we went down there for the women to win their tournament. Apparently, for as, uh, as much as we joke and rag on Harrisonburg, it's good luck for Drexel. Both of our CAA championships uh, have come on their courts. This arena is a little bit nicer than the one in 2009 when the women won it. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what, JMU is definitely putting on the uh, putting in all the effort to try and move up to a bigger athletic conference. That 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 is a nice arena. Well, what were you, where were you guys, Nick and Bill, <laughs> when when we won? 
I was I was at Nick's house, <laughs> probably violating all types of COVID protocols uh, with the celebration, but couldn't be helped. I I think one of the things that I I was so happy to see, especially yesterday, towards the end of the game, is I think I saw some people, and we were all on the meet Google Meet together uh, for the for pretty much the entire tournament until Marshall went down on uh, yesterday. I like was seeing some faces that I probably hadn't seen in probably close to maybe if not 10 to 15 years. I were jumping on these, uh, jumping on the Google meet towards the end of that call as the game started wrapping up almost. Yeah, man. Winning, winning brings people out of the woodwork. <laughs> and that's facts. Cause I, I agree with Julian that seeing a lot of old, but new faces at the same time, since we've left Drexel, I was like, wow, seeing Hepler, Probably the biggest surprise of all, I would say. I mean, definitely. I mean, even seeing just social media, like people who don't even follow the team at all, who you know we went to Drexel with, everyone's posting about it. You know, it's it's giving pride to the community that doesn't even follow the team. So, uh, I mean, I, I don't know how uh, the administration couldn't see that. You know how valuable this is to the school, and hopefully, we continue to push and. Uh, make the program better and hopefully hopefully this brings out more fans as we continue on here i've always Once said COVID ends. A, a bandwagon isn't necessarily a bad thing like of course to your point before winning is going to bring people out it's can the institution around basketball and the team's performance itself sustain people coming out obviously if we return to just dropping off a cliff and like have teams that aren't very good that is going to drive some people away. But if you have a sustained effort to engage with the non diehard fans that, uh, that will show up any year regardless, then you can still maintain that. But if you just let it all go, then they're going to disappear until you have a moment like last night again. No, absolutely. Uh, and, um, I think I was happy to see faces come through, but it was it was kind of I don't know. I, I I still woke up this morning a little bit feeling like it was all you know not real, uh, and uh, it's kind of strange for something like basketball. I think I guess when something builds up for close to twenty years, yeah, that's the effect it's going to have on. I think you. when you have like but, a disappointment building like over nineteen years, Leon, or twenty years um, <laughs> of going to that tournament and just. You know, for the most part, underperforming. There's definitely a few years where we've gone and exceeded expectations, or at least met expectations. Um, I mean, expectation maybe not any exceeding except this year, <laughs> but mostly the a couple where we met it has just beaten us down to the point where like you kind of expect to lose, and now we come in here and we win in this bizarre year, and it doesn't feel real. I've been consuming every bit of Drexel content I can. <laughs> I know Nick has too. I'm assuming you guys probably have. It's it's all over the place. Spikers getting interviewed everywhere. You know, everyone's posting about it. Me and Nick were watching, uh, you know, assistant coach Instagram live feeds and player feeds. Everyone's everyone's broadcasting live. Um, yeah, I mean, this is, <laughs> I guess, the most fun we ever had as Drexel basketball fans. I mean, there's been a lot of good moments, but. Um, I mean, for us, at least on this call, and actually, I speak for myself, I guess, but this is amazing, really. I really wish I could have been there. 
It's one of those things where it's like, forget about no expectations. I think we've had very low to no expectations some seasons going into the tournament. I feel like I didn't even know what expectations really to have this year too much going into the tournament because of the, you know, uh, how little of uh, the game, the team I'd gotten a chance to watch and also just how few games we played. It, it couldn't have been like a, a weirder season. Like I think coming in, I mean, if you looked at who we returned versus the rest of the league, uh, I mean, I think we returned like the best, the best amount of uh, the best players and the most talent of any of any team. And then the games came around, and it just didn't seem like it was going that way. But then there was postponements, and uh, you know, hard to get in a rhythm. You're playing away. I mean, we didn't play barely any home games. Well, we played two home games. I think <laughs> was uh, two in conference for uh, home games. So, I, I mean, it was just a mess of a season. And then to go down there and these guys just came together and strung together these, these wins. And it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Really. It's interesting too. This is the first year in decades that we didn't play Delaware. We didn't have uh, a chance to play like Penn cause they canceled their season. Not that they would have played us anyway. So on top of that, there were no like super captivating regular season games, maybe aside from LaSalle, not that, fans would have been able to show up in person anyway. And we know that the casual fan isn't going to get a flow sports subscription to watch a game, but you're right. It was just a weird season, but here, here's a question for the group. Would you rather be in our position where uh, very few of us and on this call, only I was able to go there and witness it in person. And none of us besides Nick and Bill were able to celebrate together. Or would you rather be like Hofstra last year where, we would have been down there and could have celebrated in person, but then your chance to actually play in the tournament goes away. Mm. That's that's interesting. That's a very it would be very selfish of me to, <laughs> to take the first reason. <laughs> like I, I'm I, I I would hate to be Hofstra, honestly, and what happened to them more than us. We're going to at least hopefully get to see a game. I mean, it's still possible that COVID runs rampant and cancels our our potential game, but. Um, but I would much rather I would much rather go to the tournament, even though I couldn't fully experience it. It was still something to just come out on top and know that we're going to go play more basketball, which hasn't happened for us in a very long time. Uh, I would I would say that I would be in agreement with Bill. And what happened to Hofstra last year is definitely a sucky and like kind of the not necessarily the worst situation, but just something that you don't want to see happen. Because you work so hard and it literally gets taken out of your hands. But, you know, us winning the way that we did this year with, you know, COVID and the the circumstances, being able just to witness it before the age of 50 is rewarding. (laughs) (laughs) I thought at some point, Preston, we were going to be like Sister Jean and have to be like wheeled out on the court before we got our first CA championship. Like we'll be just these old guys still trying to witness our first, uh, like, alumni win. I don't think any of us are forty yet, right? Like, we... <laughs> we're inching closer. Close. Close. <laughs> Marshall still got a little bit of time, but most most importantly, my... are we able to put Calvin Hicks in a hermetically sealed bubble and ship him out to Indiana? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a solid idea. I mean, it's an engineering school, Marshall. They should be able to come up with something. Let's go. Right? Yeah, it's an engineering school that couldn't keep the uh, apparel store up for more than. 
uh, for the first hour. Uh, did you try to get in there too, Leon? I, I, I failed. I, I heard. I, I tried. To, I got in there fine this morning, but I heard like initially it, it went down pretty quickly, and uh, all ten fans <laughs> were on it at the same time. My order didn't go through last night. I don't know if Nick's. <laughs> oh, really? you yeah, I'm gonna get one today. Uh, check this out. There's a there's a white one and a gray one. <laughs> so they're really going all out on the uh, on the assortment. I think they had mugs. <laughs> <laughs> they do. There's it's a much bigger logo of CAA on it than Drexel, yeah. which you know to me is. Hey man, but it is Nick. Did you did you have anything to add as far as it uh, as uh, who you'd prefer to be? Uh, Hofstra last year or us this year? He's falling Nick asleep. Fell asleep. <laughs> yeah. Wake up. <laughs> There's a pita chip that fell under his <laughs> sofa that he's trying to dig out or something. Well, as we wait for Nick's, uh, as we all hold up the ba- <laughs> wait with bated breath for Nick's response, uh, I think I'd definitely rather be us this year. Um, I don't think it's even close just because of what happened to Hofstra is just crushing. Uh, I- I'd rather not have that effect where we're just so excited that we're finally going to the tournament and then not get to go as opposed rather and kind of the whole build the whole point is to go to the tournament right i, I don't think i'd care if drexel won the caa championship as much as them winning uh, or making it to the actual tournament so uh, i think I, I would definitely be on the side of hey this is this is a much better situation than what poor Hofstra had to go through last year or Hofstra fans had to go through last year. I think I'd agree with that. And it's not what Hofstra went through last year. Isn't that dissimilar from what uh, the women's team went through last year where they were the top seed. And right before they were taking the court for their first tournament game, they, uh, they were told that the tournament was off and uh, can you guys hear me potentially? Yeah. Yeah. I've been trying to talk for like 15 minutes. We thought you were taking a nap. <laughs> I, f- I felt like you guys just like, kept interrupting me. And I was like, I had like great thoughts. <laughs> and, and like you guys just kept talking. I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, man. I'm sure they were great they thoughts totally that now lost. have been lost. Uh, they're, they're in this office somewhere, just floated, floating away. <laughs> Sorry, Marshall. Great I just, thoughts. I don't, know what the, I don't know what happened there. No, no, no. Right. Oh, you're back. Nick, Nick, no pressure. Get, hit us with one of your great thoughts. Um, I think when we were talking about like the buildup of all the Drexel stuff on Twitter and Instagram, like it's been 20, like every other time there's some, like we were, when we beat Syracuse or Villanova or there's like, we're on the bubble or even that comeback, 38 point comeback. There was some like, you know, semblance of a season or somebody was paying attention. Like, this literally dropped out of thin air, and all of a sudden we're in the championship game and won. It was like shell shock, and you know, like we didn't, like Bill said, we didn't play games. You know, I I totally forgot about the CA tournament until like the day before. Like, oh, the CA tournament's on. Oh, I guess I'll throw it on. You know, Bill sent the link out for the Zoom, and then all of a sudden we just won. Like it's crazy. It's out of thin air, and Bill yeah. on, a, on a scale of one to thirty four, how how great was that thought from Nick? <laughs> Straight thirty-four. This man's dropping gems. <laughs> Respect it. Thanks, Bill. I'm so I'm so glad Bill actually organized the Google Meet and kind of because I would have definitely probably like like you said, Nick. Like it, the the season was such a like you didn't know when the games were half the time. 
because there were so many changes with uh, COVID, even though our team, our team somehow managed to be pretty fortunate in that sense and that none of, none of our players got sick, knock on wood. But, Bill, you, that was great that you put that stuff together, man. Well, I usually, got everybody. I usually put the, the actual trip together, so I was like, well, we got to do something. And it's the best we could do. And I thought it worked well, though. Like, I'm glad we all got together and we got to hang out and enjoy it, you know, and watch something we've never seen. It was kind of cool, actually, the way like we did like the ha- we did our own halftime show where we would like pull up old college, college pictures of Quagmire, or Bahama trips. Uh, yeah, sure. Like not every and that podcast. I mean, we had uh, Zoom. We had like last game. We had like sixteen, twenty people, various different. Age brackets and groups of Drexel fans. It was it was really pretty cool. With one consistent feeling of never having <laughs> felt this before. Yeah, <laughs> the collective disappointment. But what what do you think? What do you guys think changed like over the course of the season? I know maybe not everyone watches many games, but like we went from kind of just I would say like underachieving as the season went on, and then we just put together these. Three really well played games. I mean, maybe you include James Madison in that was the the game before the tournament. Like four well played games to string these victories together. I, I can't even tell you, Bill, because I don't. I only watched one game prior to. I can't tell you what <laughs> changed or what. I, the season started three days ago, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> How about you, Marshall? I know you watched. Um, I think you watched a couple games. Yeah, uh, I would say. A couple things. Um, I felt that we had turned the corner when we played our JMU right before the championship. And we, granted, they were without their best player who was out for the season. And who knows how that would have changed the tournament. But uh, when we we took care of business, like that was a previous years, uh, even in really good seasons, uh, when we were at large contenders, that would be the type of game that would be a letdown game going into the tournament. Um, or we'd have a letdown game in the tournament. Um, I am not an X's and O's guy, so I can't say what changed or uh, improved from from that standpoint, but it seems like Mate Okros coming off the bench, especially in that building, the, the JMU game and then the three tournament games, him coming off the bench, I don't know if it's a different mindset or if he's just doing something with his own routine, but he has become that guy off the bench that can uh, just drill that three when you need it. And he obviously was the leading scorer in that championship game. Time Elon looked like they were going to make a run. We were able to uh, get a stop where they missed a shot and we were able to get that lead back up. I mean, Okros is huge. I I think that was a huge move. I I don't know why in the beginning of the season, I I thought some of our problems stemmed from us not shooting the ball that well. Um, no one was particularly shooting the ball that well. I think Walton was struggling. Okros was struggling. Coltrane was on the bench. I kept uh, Coltrane was hurt, so I mean, I, I was hoping he would come back and give us a boost. Cam shot the ball pretty well um, the entire season, so he wasn't a problem. But Cam can't do it all, so I think that was a huge point. Marshall was him coming off the bench. I think he was back off an injury too, where he was out for a couple games, and he's been he was lights out since then. And then the other thing I noticed, and I don't know why this is, maybe it just had something to do with the shooting, but it seemed like most of the other games we played, like we would sometimes build up a lead and then the other team would just go on a run. Um, almost every game, we'd give up these huge runs where we wouldn't score and they would score and it would, you know, turn the tide of the game. 
and that just didn't seem to happen uh, in the tournament at all. I, I don't really know <laughs> what they changed or what they've been practicing. Whatever they did was really good because it was just – I felt like we played consistently well throughout all three of those games. I mean, maybe there were some too many turnovers. But outside of that, like, we rebounded well. They played hard. We shot the ball well. There wasn't a bunch of random shot clock violations like we had earlier in the year. Um, so uh, they just really put it together, and I'm, I'm amazed, honestly. I was frustrated earlier in the year, and they really turned it around. I, I will say, I do think Elon played the game that they mostly wanted to play. They got open shots, and at one point I looked up at the scoreboard, and we were 10 of 17 from three. They were 3 of 17 from three, and I know they missed at least four open looks not open like the guy's kind of on you but you get the shot off like legitimately open guy not within i think spiker would disagree with your comment he said in the i think he said in the post game that the night before they shot 32 threes and we held them to 17 so i think he thinks they he got them out of their game because they shot only 17 threes which seems like a lot of threes to me i guess they shot 32 yeah that's what i was thinking i didn't yeah, I didn't realize they shot that many, but yeah, I would agree. 17 seems like a lot, um, but I was thinking more about their efficiency from three, regardless of the overall volume. They hit a, even two more, yeah. which isn't even a great five of 17 is not great, uh, but were... hit two more, and that's a one-point game. Yeah, the box score here says 419, so... Oh. It's a pretty low percentage, but I mean that, that. I think that was the focus coming in, right? It was like stop them from shooting threes and out rebound them because I think that's another thing that they had been doing was rebounding well despite being small. Like I, I watched them against Hofstra, and they just had like their their smaller guards crashing from the outside, um, and they were doing a really good job like getting offensive rebounds against Hofstra, and we just killed them on the boards. Um, so between that and limiting them from three. I think really helped us win that game. I mean, you guys talk about Okros coming off the bench, and I agree with all that. But in order for him to come off the bench, we need to have somebody that can start and be effective. And how about that Xavier Bell kid? I was was so impressed with him. Even before last night's game, I was like, this kid's, you know, he's holding his own. He's knowing his role. And then last night, he he showed he could shoot. He's got some dry. He can shake a little bit. You could tell, like, and he looked like a, a guy that was like a seasoned veteran out there, and he and he's a freshman. Like it was like Damian Lee flashes, basically. I mean, maybe not as high potential, but in terms of the maturity level of a freshman, of a true freshman. I know Cam had that too, but you know we we've you know we only see we see that in great players. I I mean, I was really impressed with him. Really impressed. Yeah, I agree with you there, Nick. Now he was. He was huge with some of those uh, drives he had in the game. Uh, and the, I, you don't expect a true freshman in a big-time game like that to, you know, look so level-headed and cool out there. So I was surprised by that and happy to see it yeah. for a change. I, I would agree with the statements about Bell. I feel like uh, he did remind me of that um, that leader and that kind of like scoring potential that Cam showed when we first saw him, his freshman yeah, I think it was his freshman year. That he had a lot of like potential. He had a lot of flashes of like being able to drive and control, almost control the game in a way. And he contributed very well for his position and his role on the squad. And I look forward to seeing him in future years. Maybe hopefully a return trip before he 
before he graduates. I'm getting greedy now, oh. Preston. <laughs> <laughs> We're going every year. Now. I, I'm not, not, he graduates. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. Preston. He gave him a couple of years. He gave him a couple of years. All right. <laughs> now, now that we now that we've made it to the tournament, do you guys think we make it out of the first round? Well, you know Oof. that's an interesting right. point. I was. Where do you think we're going to be seated? We're, I, we're yeah, definitely going to be seated between like 14 and 16. I, I, I saw a couple things today. I saw Joe Lenardi has this as a 15 playing Ohio State. I saw and a, a 16. I saw Baylor. Andy Katz. Andy Katz has this as a 16. Yeah, playing Baylor. Like, come on, Andy. Come on, man. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't think we should be a 16. A uh, 15 wouldn't surprise me. Um, it's just hard. Like it's so our our record is so strange. Like it's just twelve and seven. <laughs> like we've 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 barely played any games. I like, it's hard. I don't even know how you see us to be honest with you. <laughs> we had more wins the year we got snubbed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then games we played. <laughs> <laughs> Much, yeah, exactly. So it's 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 just bizarre. So I don't know what they're gonna do. I mean. I, I really don't want to be a 16, especially in the playing game. I mean, ho- hopefully we'd get to at least a 15 and just be up against a juggernaut. Can this team does, win against a team like that? I have no idea. <laughs> does a 16 seed play in? Does that get you one of those like NCAA revenue units for advancing around if you win that? <sighs> I'm not yeah. sure. Probably I'm, not. I feel like it. I feel like it can't. But I mean, who, who knows? It is a televised game. I mean, you probably get something from it. I'm not sure. I'm sure there's a legal loophole. Yeah, I mean, that. the NCAA is – well, I mean, it's just the rules that they want to have in place. The NCAA is clearly making millions, tens of millions off of those first four games. They can easily distribute a couple hundred thousand amongst the schools that advance. But I don't know, to be honest. I would – I obviously want us to be as high a seat as possible. I – I feel like we're going to end up at 15, 16, even for all the question marks around the team. And like the fact that the record is what it is, but we played literally two conference home games. Like I think a 16 would be disrespectful, but it's also dependent on what the other tournaments do. If there's a lot of other uh, non top three, top two uh, tournaments or uh, champ- conference champions, in in some of these other conferences that are on par or lower than the CAA, then we'll probably move up just as a result of that and be off the 16 line. But I would love it if we could get to 14. I think I'd rather be a 16 than a 15. Really? Just because I think there's more notoriety if we get a W. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Um, yeah, but UMBC. I know they've already done, done it. it. There's only so one other team that's already done it. There's a bunch of 15s. They're that would still be huge news for sure. I mean, either way, it's going to be massive. I, I, I'd yeah. rather win than – I care about the notoriety. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, <laughs> we have a better chance. Of the, the I mean, how much better two, of a chance I is guess. it? Really? I don't know how many twos would be 15s. I mean, it's, it's it's probably fairly significant. I think your odds are more already in your favor. But, I mean, it, it, <laughs> can this team actually win? Uh, we'd have to play lights out uh, to beat anyone of that caliber. I mean, like, I, I mean, if you look at the guts of our team, like you know, you, you think of a team that can has a potential against the big boys, quote unquote. Like we we have a lot of the fundamental. Like we have a decently sized team when you when you consider Bickerstaff at six nine as almost a guard. It's like a small forward six, and Tim Perry's a big boy. We were way bigger than Elon. 
Like, um, we've got the size. I think we've got some speed. We've got shooters. If I'm a, a two or a one, I don't want to be playing us. No, I, I, yeah, I think we'd be better than your your typical <laughs> fifteen or sixteen seed. Obviously, Bill, um, can I get a ranking on that great thought from Nick? <laughs> <laughs> I'll put that one as a thirty-two. Oh, thirty-two. Ah, he lost. Yeah, a couple I don't, of I don't know why. It's just it's arbitrary at this point. But anyway, um, yeah. But I th- we'd ha- we'd have to shoot well. We'd have to you know limit turnovers, which is what really kills us. I hope we'd be able to rebound against some of these better teams, but you know, I'm not sure if we're going against like Iowa and Gars is what seven two. I mean, it's, it's going to be a struggle. But not every team's got a giant like that. Like, there's actually, I feel like even just with like small ball becoming more prevalent, some of these bigger name schools are not quite as big as they used to be, and won't wouldn't have as much of a size advantage as usual. And like you said, Nick, we have a lot of we have good. Like size at almost every position, really. No one's severely undersized. Up, so, yeah, I think what I like about like even the last the three games of the tournament was that I, I don't. It didn't look to me any of the games that we were playing at max potential, mm-hmm. right? I feel like they're like if we match up against the team that kind of forces us, like players like Bickerstaff, that I think has a lot more ups potential. Play, you know, uh, Okra started shooting the ball well. If he continues that, uh, you know, Cam didn't have the best last uh, final, uh, you know, and Cam's that I think there there is enough of a gap between the level we're playing at and the max potential of every one of our players on the team, almost except for Tata's, <laughs> that we can just throwing shots for we, no reason. <laughs> that we How can, dare uh, you insult really. CAA champion Tadas Kararinas. <laughs> hey, Tadas cut that net down like everybody else, man. <laughs> he didn't use the ladder, though. How much does, how yeah. much does Bill owe me for the... I don't think Tadas averaged 10 points a game this year. Well, it wasn't 10 points a game, but regardless, I do owe you whatever that, whatever that bet was. It's probably 50 bucks. I don't even remember. I have to review the tapes on that. But, but I think the point I was trying to make was that there is enough of a gap there still that we could, I think, go up to, where we, which we haven't had to hit, that I would be curious to see how a number two-seeded team or number one-seeded team kind of forces into it. I think it, it kind of forces to put up or shut up, right? And players like Bickerstaff might excel in something like that because he's definitely like a joy to watch out there, man. It, I, I want to see more of Bickerstaff. I want to see Bickerstaff make that Frank Eligar's sophomore to junior year jump after this season. If he can put it all together, this team is scary. Yeah, he's he's his potential is through the roof. I mean he, he can already do a lot. He I think I think Spiker left him out in the last two games a little bit more than usual because of the zone. I think he wanted more shooters out there. Um I don't know if I necessarily agree with it. I, I still I still want him in there and be fed the ball constantly, but that's just me. Um but yeah, I mean he's he's a big time athlete. He just if he puts it all together, Marshall, he could he could definitely have that type of jump um, to be an all league player next year. There's no one in this conference who's that size, that speed, and you know his skill set that can match up with him. I like. I think we also. I'd, I'd like to see. No, I agree. With, like piggyback what Leon said. I think you know we played pretty well, but not great in the other three games. <laughs> I mean. I, I'd like to see us cut. I think we had high turnovers in every one of the games, uh, and we have to cut that down 
in the next game. And I think if we do cut that down, uh, you know, we could score 80 points against, or, you know, we can, you know, we, we can take that level okay. next. I mean, I think against Charleston, we did have 80 points and we only turned the ball over six times. Oh. Whereas against Northeastern, we had 16 turnovers and against Elon, we had 14. So yeah, I mean, that's turnovers is huge for us. We, we, we have a lot of like, I feel like just sloppy passes that are resulting in this or like, you know, Cam just not paying attention and someone knocks the ball away from him or something. Um, like it's not stuff that you can't correct. Yeah. We had definitely had a good few of those yesterday in the second half. That was such unforced errors. Yeah. But to go on like a point that Marshall's been making for a while now about free throws. I mean, the team has been super clutch from the free throw line and I think that's played a big part of this winning, honestly. When you come down to the end of the game and they follow you and you're just draining all your free throws, I mean, that pretty much is the end of that. Yeah, and that, that, that and that's something that we didn't have the luxury of. Drexel teams, that was that was a scary, scary thing when some of yeah, the players I would, would get fouled. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I would even say that that's probably a change. And the biggest uh, difference from past years is that in the clutch and in these tight moments, our free throws definitely picked up compared to past years. So you think free throws, what do you guys think has made a bigger difference? Free throws or uh, Zilmer <laughs> leaving? I'd say so it was Zilmer at the, uh, I saw. I thought I saw a tweet that he was like walking around aimlessly on the court. Was he there? Was Zilmer there? I, I saw a picture of him, but I, I, that's all I really? saw. Yeah, I think he still I saw made him it walking down? around on the court after the game. Did you high five him? No, I was socially distancing. <laughs> <laughs> I think we also need to mention here uh, a little bit of Zach yes. Walton, man. I don't know if anyone's brought him up yet. Zach Walton was unbelievable. That shot at the end of the first tournament. half. Yeah. I mean, he hit just multiple step back, hand in the face, sometimes getting fouled, three-pointers, that just wouldn't let the other team come back. I mean, it was really amazing. Uh, I mean, he really put together a great I mean, I guess second half of the year in that tournament. I mean, I, really The question is, is this the new Zach Walton, or is he just on a three-game hot streak? Who cares? Because when, <laughs> when he did it the first game, I was like, there's no way he does that in Northeastern. Then he did it in Northeastern. Like, oh, that's a two-game hot streak. That is the question. I, I don't know. Keep thinking that way, Nick. I think we need you to keep thinking that this is just a three-game hot streak for him to keep going. The, the one thing that that's really – different about this season is how much downtime we had because of missing so many games. I think when you have games, you know, multiple games every week, like there's not a lot of things you can do to correct and like build skills over the course of the season. But when you have like three weeks in between games, you can really <laughs> do some other stuff um, and work and really focus on working on some things. So I, uh, I don't know if that just played a huge part in in like transforming our players and and really preparing them for the tournament because we just didn't play that much. I don't know. I think I called McCall. I don't. I don't. I don't love that comment. Can't you just do that during the off season? Like work on things. Isn't like working on yeah, things. Yeah, of course you, you can. Like of what? Course, of course you can work on in the off season. But when you have time during the season, like okay, so something's not going right, and we have another game tomorrow, like in two days. There's not much correction you can make in two days. If I have a downtime of three weeks in between the last game, we can review every little single thing that went wrong uh, and then work on it. I mean, it's it's there's just a lot of time that you can put in to practice to get better in that. Uh, yeah, but, so, 
So there's something to be said about that amount of downtime. And I, I see I see where you're going with that, Bill, that like you kind of have that extra room to, one, correct things, two, teach new things. Well, not necessarily teach new things, but get back to those fundamentals and actually sticking with you longer because you're refreshed, you're energized, you're not as worn down from the season, from the prior days of the games that you played. So I think the three weeks definitely was a benefit. I would say it's the sole reason that, you know, we played the way that we did, but I think it was definitely a benefit just to have that that rest, relaxation, and also the extra time to relearn and break or break, like, old habits. Well, even think about it from, like, a freshman perspective, right? Like, this wasn't a typical offseason that we had. Like, I don't know what the COVID protocols were, but I, I'm assuming it probably stifled some practice early. So, I mean, the freshmen are coming in. They're trying to learn a new system. I mean, along with some of the younger players, too. Um, but you get all this additional time to work on not only your own individual game, but the system itself, like learning it, the intricacies of it, where exactly you need to be, and you can really put time in to, to focus on that. I'm not, that's, it's just a, a situation we're hopefully never going to see again. But, um, I mean, I, I think that played to our advantage. I don't think it was everything, but I just think it was something that, the coaches did a good job of taking advantage of. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, you can either take the situation and things are out of your control and make it work for you or or not. And I guess we, we did the we did the former, and that was good. I think you could easily, like, just say we're out of rhythm because we didn't play enough games and we never got the gel. And if we would have lost game one, maybe that's what the narrative would be. We didn't. We won the tournament. We definitely looked like the best team the whole way through my mind so i guess there is something to that i was gonna say this is an extra comment also a lot of other teams had to pause their activities for <laughs> covid issues we didn't have that mm, once that's a good point so like well as another team had to completely stop practicing and shut it down for you know a week or two we just continued to practice and prepare for you know now, prepare the now entire you made a good time. point bill that's a 34 scale point there we go. <laughs> you should have said that in your, your original I I get there. You should have mentioned that. That would have been. I just had to build up to it, man. I had to let you throw your comment out there about how it was terrible, and then I had to prove you wrong. So there we go. <laughs> Did, uh, were you guys surprised at all from a, from a defensive standpoint how how much different the team looked than we are used to these three games? Uh, and by different, I guess I mean better. <laughs> better, yes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think the, t- the team had been a little bit better defensively this year than in previous years, but I, mean, I think that was mostly because the bar was so low. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they, they looked a ton better, yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's – I mean, Juric, I know he's out there for his defense, but I think Xavier Bells played some pretty good D. It seemed like everyone was stepping it up. I still want I, – I feel like the key difference between a team like this, uh, like this year's versus – the two snub years is mid majors and even Drexel. Like you can get elite guards and it doesn't necessarily translate into wins this year. Obviously we put it all together, but those other teams that were like top teams in the nation and should have been in as at larges had superior big men, um, you think Frank the Tank, you think a defensive presence like Chaz Crawford who can who pushing seven feet and can block shots and and the Sandy Givens who undersized can get rebounds or a Daryl McCoy who's just 
not going to get pushed around. Like, obviously, I just listed five or six different, completely different styles of big men. And that is, I think, the key difference between those teams and why they were on, like, national scale potential versus this team, which I'm not trying to diminish anything from, but they don't have that. And that's where, like, when we go back to the conversation on, like, how we would fare in a matchup, whether we were 16, a 15, a 14, who knows, even a 13. Like, that's that's the key difference to me in in a potential matchup against a, one of the top four seeds. Well, we do have Bickerstaff. Bickerstaff is taller than Sammy Gibbons. Yeah, but it, it's not just height. I mean, Tim Perry's also tall. But, like, Daryl McCoy is, like, 6'9", but pushing 300 pounds. Like, he's not going to get pushed around. And the other guys, like, regardless of their size, and even, like I mentioned with Sammy, they played – basically perfectly they did one they each did one thing perfectly sammy rebounded perfectly Chaz crawford blocked shots perfectly uh frank elegar butler rebounds pretty good he does he does but like who would you serious question who would you take uh to get you rebounds in the clutch of a game uh against a, a top tier opponent butler or sammy gibbons i would take sammy gibbons but i i, I think those difference to me I think you're right in a way. I think the uh, the core, like if you picked four to five players of those two teams versus four to five players, or just the starting five versus the starting five of, the, of this group versus those groups, those other groups had more star power mm-hmm. potential. But the crux and the, the, one of the Achilles heels of all the Bruiser teams, every Bruiser team, including these two teams, was that when you got to the sixth, seventh, and eighth guys, and ninth guys, there was no ninth guy or even an eighth guy. He stopped at basically seven. And when you know someone got hurt or foul trouble, you know we were in trouble. Whereas you know we get we we've been you know very critical of Spiker on his lineups a lot, and I think some of it still seems weird. But we were able to get like uh, double digit scores. In this tournament, like six or seven, to, like Xavier Bell was leading score. Matt Mateo Okros. We got, we have more, um, more. Uh, a, a, this is the deepest, most talented team from a. Uh, when you combine those two things together that we've ever had. Now I, I don't know how that's going to translate to the NCAA tournament, but um, it definitely helped us win this tournament. That's that's very true. I give that a uh, a thirty point. Uh, Great thought. I don't know. I, I still think there is a lot of potential in this team. I, I think it's 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 young though. I mean, besides Cam, um, I, I mean, Bickerstaff and Okros, I think are high potential guys. The same thing with with Bell and uh, I even like Lamar Odin too. Um, and Amari Williams actually. They're just not quite there yet to be the major contributors, but they're really nice pieces on this team. Um, and I think I think the future is bright too. I just don't how it's going to translate this year. I'm not sure. And I think the coaches still are a little reluctant to run more offense through Bickerstaff, which is frustrating me. <laughs> but I can't argue with results, so I'm, I no longer even, even going to comment on this since we won the yeah, championship. And I, I feel very um, idiotic, like making these comparisons when this is the team that finally broke through. Um, but the main point I was, and then part of the reason I brought up some of those other names is. I remember one time when I think it was after we got done interviewing coach Spiker and we were just kind of uh, talking afterward. And uh, he said something to the effect of like, 
and this was two or three years ago at this point, like when he finally breaks through, like that that team winning it will be not just for the guys on the roster at that point, but for all of those guys who came before and players and fans who uh who have been with the program for so long. And he specifically called out those two snubbed teams, the 2007 and 2012 teams. So he, the guy obviously knows the history of the program from before he was a part of it. And I, th- I think that speaks to the caliber of the guy that uh, Coach Spiker is, that uh, he recognizes uh, the history and that there was a lot of success, obviously not ultimate success for a program like us, but a lot of success before he got here and wanting to put his own stamp on success while paying tribute to those guys. But also with once they were cutting down the nets last night, the, the people who took the first steps uh, up that ladder were the supporting staff, the uh, not even the assistant coaches, like the, the operations staff and the trainers. And he gave uh, the training crew tons of shout outs in uh, the interviews that I heard um, from last night and today uh, for the fact that we didn't once have a positive COVID test on ourselves. It was always our opponent uh, that caused those missed games. So the, whatever you want to say about like the, this team versus any of the other teams or anything like that, it's, it's coach Spiker himself is a, is a good guy and it's very well deserved. Uh, we, I think we've given him fair, fairly so like we've been critical when, when it's warranted, but no, no critique right now. We're champions and it, it's a good group of guys, good group of guys led by a really good coach and person. I'll say that's very well yeah. said about coach Spiker and yeah, you know, as fans, we give un, sometimes unreasonable criticism where it may be too much or too little. But I totally agree with everything you just said, that Spiker is a stand-up person and a stand-up coach. And the way he does give, like, kind of give, I'll say more gives homage back to past Drexel teams and the Drexel institution altogether. It's very nice to see that he didn't make it about himself. He really made it about the team and about the school and even about us. Yeah, no, I I remember him saying that, Marshall. I, I, I think I was there, maybe it was during... The uh, off the record podcast stuff. I do remember him saying that. I thought that was really cool. You know, Spiker's the man. You know, look at look at his tenure. Now. He did what he, he he basically did. What you know, he built us slowly up, and now here we are. I mean, he delivered. He delivered. Yeah. I mean, my my complaints kind of early in the season was that I I did think this talent this team was really talented, and the wins kind of weren't reflecting that. And he finally got the most out of them, and here we are. So I mean, they're doing a good job recruiting. They won a championship. I mean, uh, th- there could be zero complaints here. <laughs> so I'm, it's amazing, really. I'm I'm still shocked that we're going to be watching Selection Sunday. Drexel's name is going to be put on the board. In 2012, I was I was watching, and Comcast picked me up <laughs> at the bar <laughs> with the face of most disappointed fan. Great disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> Head down the bar, painful. That was rough. Painful. So this is going to be something to watch and know that we're in. Uh, here's, and just enjoy one question that for Leon is how many bottles of champagne will Bill and I pop on Selection Sunday? <laughs> I, I don't. I don't see the. I don't see what you would be celebrating on Selection Sunday when you know what's already going to happen. Is it the seating that's going to cause the well, champagne? Leon, it's that we're seeing pop. other people. <laughs> Do you want to come up? I need. I'm out of the house. 
uh, I'm not coming up with Selection Sunday, but I, I would, if, uh, you know, depending on when the first game is, it would be cool if uh, Drexel organized something like, uh, I think this is really my wife's suggestion, like an outdoor uh, viewing, social distance viewing, oh, uh, you know. At, at, on, around it's the campus a, or something, and get people it's to come out. Idea. Assuming it's, I don't know what time yeah. it's going to be. Yeah, it was sixty today, so I'm hoping the weather sticks yeah, around. Would, and if the weather, of course, weather abiding, you know, things I would, like that. I would bundle out. up to go watch that. I don't know if Marshall, you got some connects over there. We can make this. I'll see what make uh, this happen. I'll see what I we think have that's a good from the board of governors standpoint. Hey, that's. <laughs> that's actually fantastic. I mean, that's a great idea. Just, you can be spaced out, put it like on the deck somewhere. I've, I've long said yeah, that no, I wanted exactly. there to be a tailgate on the roof of the parking garage. What better idea now than to like just put a big screen up there? Everyone can have their own parking space spot to uh, to lay out and watch the game. That would be amazing. Yeah, man, that would that would be unbelievable. I'm driving to Philly for that if it's happening. What happened so. to Indy? Are we going to look into Indy? Oh. <laughs> tickets? <laughs> Forgot about that. If we do have tickets, then I can swing it, which I think I can. Never mind. I'll be in Indy. But... <laughs> Bill, are you... <laughs> for everyone Bill, else, that sounds like a good any, idea. Uh, podcast hmm? announcements for the world to know? <laughs> <laughs> for the world to know? I mean, early, earlier today, we did have a gender reveal for my first child. I don't think I sent you the video yet, Marshall, but I will. But it it is a Man. little girl, so... Oh snap! I'm excited about it. Drexel makes the tournament. Bill gets uh, <laughs> women pregnant. It just happens at the same time. These things coincide. More women in his yeah, life. Bill, this, <laughs> all right, you, Bill, you gotta get pregnant exactly from now on. Oh yeah, Bill, you got a precedent to set. You want to send us back to the tournament? Back. Get working. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta pop out a kid every year to get him to the tournament. Done. I mean, I'll, I'll do what it takes until the streak's broken. Da-na-na-na-da-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na